You know what? Are we? Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Gadget Talk. I got a special guest here, um, Shandrin. Uh, unfortunately, I'm driving the show tonight, and we did start nine minutes ago. Uh, and uh, I forgot to hit, I did the opening, did everything, forgot to hit the go live because, you know, Derek's a producer. That's what he normally does. Uh, so we'll start over here. Let's go ahead and do the opening and start this thing. Let's go. Well, that's not the most embarrassing thing I've ever done, but <laughs> it's up there. That's crazy. Um, so anyway, uh, if you can see here, Derek is not here. Uh, we have a special guest today I'm very excited about. Shannon uh, from Memphis area. Yes. Yes. Welcome to the show. Hopefully Appreciate you on. Really live now. Yes. Yes. Everybody, if you can hear us, let us know in the chat. Tell us where you're from. Uh, we'd love to hear you there. Um but we have, real quick, just go over who we have. We have Dave Wagner, DJW House, in the show. Uh, he does the kits, builds the kits. Great creator. Bell on the Move, which you met uh, out there in uh, Memphis. Just find our way from Arizona. Um, and then we have Sparky1916. Hello. Mini Meg from California. What's up? Storm Cashers. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, what's up? Just telling everybody hello. Yeah, hills. Uh uh storm chasers scrabble hounds uh joyful nomad ken and trudy uh yep. great people i've had them in my old shop that i have here so very cool um love to have them back in sometime um but uh and then uh darren archer uh from australia uh good morning he's from hey. the future tomorrow morning at 2 a.m it's always a joke we have um uh, and uh is that thunder 360 um, I'm not sure what that means. Ten. Oh, the countdown. Yes. The countdown when we weren't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyways, uh, real quick, uh, before we go any further, let's go ahead and get the sponsors taken care of here, and then we'll come back and uh, have a good show. Okay. If you have not become a patron of the Geocache Talk Network, what are you waiting for? Patron levels start as low as a bison tube level at $3 a month. To sign up is easy. Simply go to the Geocache Talk website and click on the Become a Patron button or go to patreon.com forward slash geocache talk. Patrons now get the famous blackout coin, invites to special events, and other really great items throughout the year. Become a patron today. Logwork, the creators of the fantastic logbook made with genuine right-in-the-rain paper, the logbook's designed for the micro-containers of the present and future, geared towards the hider who'd rather go caching than doing cache maintenance. Find them at logwork.com. That's L-O-G-W-E-R-K.com. Have you subscribed to FTF Magazine yet? FTF Magazine is the number one geocaching magazine available. It is a quarterly magazine that you can be part of. Submit your geocaching milestones and adventures to be published. FTF Magazine is also interactive with puzzles to solve and the hunt to find Spartacus. If you can solve the puzzle or find Spartacus, then you will be entered in to win a special path tag. Every new subscription, you will receive a special swag pack. Subscribing is easy. Just visit FTF's website, ftfgeo.com. Don't miss out and subscribe today. 
Okay, we're back. So, <laughs> um, real quick, just to talk, uh, Shannon is a geocache creator, a gadget cache creator, and more from uh, Tennessee. Cool. Um, you have an amazing cache there um, that I want you to talk about real quick. It's a four and a half, five, right? Yeah. So uh, it's called Vertical Madness. And some of you got to experience it if you're here at the event. And uh, many more of you have heard about it, but it's a, it's a, it's just a simple ammo can in a tree is what I tell people. Uh, but it's not so simple. That ammo can is 80 feet up and it requires much special gear to get to it. Um, but I've had tons of people climb that tree and overcome amazing obstacles. And that's what it's all about for me. I've built some incredible friendships and, um, and watch people just accomplish things. Like I said, that, they never imagined that they could accomplish. That's great. My son and my wife did that climb with you. Yeah. So amazing. You're there, you have the equipment, you set them up. Yep. It's very safe. Um, and I really appreciate that. My wife and son did, they both talk about it. My, my wife, you actually, she was going to do it when she showed up, watch my son do it. And then she's like, no, I don't want to do it. And you talked her into it. And afterwards yeah. she was like, I'm so glad he had me. He made me do it because it was the best thing she's ever done. Yeah, a lot a lot of people get there, man, and, and they and their nerves start to get a hold of them a little bit. Um, and then they start finding reasons why they shouldn't do it. You know, let's I don't I don't have time or I want to let other people go first. But it is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And uh, like your wife, I am so glad she did it as well. I know that that was a memorable moment for her and she'll remember that forever. Well, and that's all she talked about too. Um, I think even a week beforehand, she was, you know, communicating with you to set it up. And yep. then when she got there, she's like, no, I don't think I'll do it. I'm not going to force her to do it, but sure. you, you had a better chance. You had a better, you did a better job of talking her into doing it than me. That's so. right. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard, but it's amazing. So uh, if no one has seen this, I do have a few photos here. Um, this is you actually after you set my son up. So this is my son climbing the tree here. He's about eight to 10 feet up. Yeah. Look at that um, location. Yeah. Oh, the location is beautiful. Uh, the, this park and the lake was amazing. I, you couldn't find a better location and the, it was such a nice day, but the nice thing about it is you're in the shade too. It's hot That's and cool. sunny, but you're in the shade because cool. Eleanor creates a great shade. Eleanor is the tree. Eleanor is the tree. So, um, Right here is my son. He's about halfway up here. Um, as you can see, this is a special system um, that you're using to climb. So can you explain real quick how that system works? Yeah, so that system comes right out of the industrial access um, genre of climbing. And so it uses a, a chest descender that's sewn into uh, a full body harness that captures all of your progress. And then it uses a hand descender attached your hands and your feet and basically you're sitting and standing and you're flip-flopping between which device holds you up between the hand ascender and the chest ascender uh, on your harness so you basically inchworm your way up the tree i know my wife when she was done said that she's never she did it once but she's never gonna do it again that was the hardest thing she did and then an yeah. hour later after she's rest she's like i'd do that again in a second that's right very common. It's like Very running common. a marathon. She's like, I've done it once. I don't need to do it again. And then the next day she's like, okay, I can't wait for the next one. So awesome. Um, Tricasius, uh, from, uh, uh, Gilby, North Carolina, or North Dakota. 
uh, mentions that uh, uh, there is a someone next to him that does a uh, cliff uh, repel event every year. That'd be fun. I'd like to know more about that. That might be worth going. Yeah, I met I met Esco Climber. Um, he climbed my tree. He climbed the cat. Oh. And uh, he's an old retired fireman. And so he's got a lot of years of on-rope experience. But he he um, he learned some things that he didn't know about different, you know, new types of gear. And uh, but he and his crew all climbed the tree. I think I think the cache that he does every year, it's um, you, you rig up at the top and you, you rappel down a cliff uh, and then you're done. So you don't have to climb back up. So even though you get the thrill of being on rope and being high, um, high in altitude. But <laughs> so the um, you don't have to climb the rope. So it's not very physically demanding. But still a lot of fun. That's fun. The most I've done with that is uh, uh, repelling um, at the airport. I did something. I was involved with something at the airport. We used to repel down the sides for practice, the sides of the parking garage from level to level and stuff. And then off the top of a 747, which you don't realize that's three stories tall. It's tall. Um, But uh, yeah, that was, that was fun. But that's about all I've, I've done with rope stuff. Yeah. So I worked, I worked for a company for a little while. um, I think your volume is muted or you're kind of hard to hear. We'll try that. There they go. That's better. Okay, cool. Um, so th- this company, we, we repelled off high rise buildings uh, for charity. And so we did some, some 300 and 400 foot repels down the side of buildings. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. In my years of construction, we used a lot of ropes and yo-yos and stuff, but we didn't, re- you yeah. know, we weren't using them for holding. Yeah. Well, we weren't supposed to be. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Sometimes you're, you're near the edge of something and you just need to reach out a little bit further to get something. You use that rope, but That's right. we're not supposed to. Um, that is that is great. So I think that's great. That cache is 80 feet in the air yep. uh, from the ground. Amazing. For, for anyone interested, that the, uh, the GC number is GC... Uh, I'll say my, my mind just went blank. Uh, GC3 PBHR, I believe. GC3 what? PBHR, I think, is the code for that. I'll put it in the chat here. We can we can maybe check it real quick. I think that's it. GC3 PBHR, yeah. I'll look it up real quick. Um, and so one of the other cool things about this cash is, um, although it's not required, you do take donations and I was very happy to give you some for rope and equipment. Um, you yeah. switch it out regularly. So it's safe. Yeah. I, I call it cash or funded. It, it's to me, it's all part of the community. You know, if we can all be involved and I'll pitch in a little bit, keeps the gear brand new and fresh and available for everyone. Um, it's not a cash that I, I expect people to go out and spend hundreds or maybe thousands of dollars and buy their own, you know, tools of the, of the trade, you know, specialized tools to do this cash is I want, I want to host you. I want to make it safe and I want to, to give you the best equipment that we can have to, um, to get you up there. So what's really, really cool is the donations that we received from the event. Um, I was able to purchase several new pieces of gear, including a brand new, rope so i was pretty excited about that that's cool you know yeah. this wasn't an official part of cash fest although it should have been and i think next time if we have it there again 
we're gonna have to do some work and uh work with you on doing some event there at that cash i think it'll be crazy it'll be really good um i kind of have a wild idea of maybe hanging two ropes at a time and maybe have a little competition to see who can get to it first that's fun i would win getting there last if that's one but yeah i'm not the one to race you up that uh that that's really cool and, and i think that the vertical madness is the name of the cash uh did you confirm that gc code yep i see uh i see several people have put it up oh okay great um, hr is correct okay um so anyways if you have a chance um how do they do that cash if they're in their if they're in the area so if they're in the area just contact me send me a message on geocaching and um and we'll set up a time and we, i make it convenient for you um, if you're not in the area, send me a message and we'll set up a time and we'll do it anyway. It's uh, you know, a cash alive is worth a drive, baby. Yeah. Well, it, it was worth it. it. It definitely was fun. Um, to go to, uh, Sparky 1916. Uh, this is how you get to, this is how, you know, three peanut butter home run. Oh, so, <laughs> PBH. I probably won't forget it now. That's <laughs> so, funny. Yeah. Um, so, uh, kind of transition here a little bit you also have a job that you do during the day that is really fun and i'm kind of jealous i'd love to do this job uh what is it that you do yeah so when i'm when i'm not climbing trees uh i am an escape room designer builder Been doing that is so cool years and absolutely love it now we did a lot of escape rooms or well we did several escape rooms when we were there uh and i'll tell you what you're the escape rooms there are amazing they are so well built thanks i've done a lot of escape rooms all over the place and these are amazing uh, and i'll have to give you a, you know they the way you made these and the way your company puts these escape rooms out puts the money into them yep uh is is amazing so a cool thing about doing escape rooms is um well first of all what got you into making escape rooms let's start there Man, so a combination of things. So when you when you take the the fact that I grew up in a fabrication shop, um, my dad was a metal fabricator, so I I learned redneck engineering at a very young age. You know what I mean? So um, take take that and my my just passion to build and create, and then put that with geocaching, and and I learned about escape rooms, and it just fit. I was at I was at a place. Um, where I was transitioning out of my, my tree service company. And I wanted something else to do that. If, if I fell down, I would only fall, you know, from five feet, 10 up rather than from way up in a tree. And uh, so I met the owners of, of this escape room company and it just worked out and it's been, it's been pretty cool. That's really cool. So one of the cool things about making escape rooms uh, stuff, um, it's kind of the similar to making geocache uh, gadgets is when you make these, they actually get a lot of use, right? They get a lot of touching, uh, a lot of playing with, probably some some rough uh, handling of the un- the of the different games or puzzles. That's and right. They have to last. That's so what right. What do you guys do to make them last? Well, so so our games do get a lot of abuse. They get they get regular play. Um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times a week, they get handled. And if you think about if you've ever played an escape room or if you've ever tried to solve a gadget cache, it's not just picking it up and handling it one time the right way, but it's, man, I'm a, I got to shake it and I got to jiggle it and I got to put it this way and, and rack this over here. And 
So, so the, the games get a lot of abuse. So when, when we build them, uh, number one, we're trying to use the best materials that we can. Uh, and number two, we overbuild. We, we build stuff to where we call it bulletproof. Um, in our testing phase, we might build a, a box or a mechanism that's part of a puzzle. Uh, and then we beta test it. We, we take it and we let people abuse it. We throw it on the ground. We, we, we try to break it. We, we rack it back and forth really hard. And, and if it doesn't pass those tests, then we know that it won't pass general public. So we'll go back to the drawing board in some cases and design it better. That's really cool. I, I obviously I don't have the crowd you do to, to test stuff and see if it works. I do as much testing as I can here, but there's always something that someone thinks about that I never did when yeah. I'm building these. Right. And That's then you're right. like, Oh, I got to redesign that. Um, luckily I have enough people around here. I just do an event and we'll take things to, to test a beta test. But I, I think that's really cool. So do you use, when you're doing electronics and stuff, what do you use to make these so they're really reliable? So, so we have found um, that in the games that we design, um, instead of using like an Arduino or, or a computer-based um, circuitry, we like to go old school, man, is we, we use simple components. We have a lot of basic mag locks. We have basic um, mag switches. We have the wiring is super simple. We use uh, 12 volt relays and we find that those things, they just don't break. You know, we, it's, it's old school. You know, we might have a bank of 40 or 50 relays all stacked up in some odd configuration to do a few functions. The same thing that a little tiny microcomputer could do in a second, um, but it works and it's easy to track down problems. That's I don't really cool. write code. I don't have to have a computer programmer on staff. It's just, it's just simple circuitry. That's great. And it's proven and it, you know, you don't have any issues with it. Why, you know, why change it? And I know there's a lot of people that uh, a lot of cashers ask me because I use a lot of Arduino yep. stuff in mine is how do I keep it from, from people breaking it or, you know, getting moisture or anything like that. That's right. um, I make sure mine are in waterproof containers and then, you know, a lot of mine are attached to buildings, so they can't get moved. Right. Um, but, you know, that's a good point for you is just basic electronics, basic switches and latches that, you know, those typically don't fail very often. So that's right. You know, that's the way to go. So if you, th if you think about what we do, everything is 12 volts, right? It's all low voltage. So, so what else uses 12 volts that we use every day? Cars. So... How many times have your kids just sat there on a the door lock? Open, close, open, close, open, close, open, close, open, close. So that has to be an extremely durable mechanism. So in the, in the same way, 12-volt um, systems, very basic systems, uh, we use a lot of parts right out of the automotive industry because it's proven. Yeah, that's nice. Um, here, uh, uh, Cats, which you met, Doug Ross, there, yep. the event. Um, he asked, do you consider change out time to replace broken items? So, so if the question is change out time based, like maybe between, between rooms, like if, if, if I'm, if I'm trying to guess if this puzzle breaks, how much time is it going to take me to fix it? Um, some puzzles, man, if, if they broke, we'd be, we'd be hard pressed to, to fix it in a timely manner because they're very complex. Um, other puzzles, we build them in modular fashion to where we, we try to engineer 
hard use or we try to predetermine what might break on that puzzle so that it's a simple swap to, to get it going again. Usually we can fix a puzzle uh, or at least make it operational for a, for a participant within just a few minutes. That's cool. I know on a lot of mine and I know other cashers do this. We have, I have several of them built uh, in minor and modules to where I could just open it, pop the whole front off. Everything's attached, pop a new one in, plug it in and it's ready to go. Yep. For sure. Um, that's easier for me because I don't have a place to solder it out in the field. I do have a cordless solder gun, but I prefer to bring it back to the, right. to the uh, shop and work on it here. So right. that's kind of nice. We, I know Roomba cats has lots of extras. We, we try to have someone on duty during all of our operational hours that's qualified to do maintenance on the majority of our stuff. So the last thing we want to do is, is to have a customer have kind of a rotten experience because something doesn't work in the room. Um, that's it's just we don't strive to do that at all. Uh, but there have been occasions when when a, when something is broken out of our control um, and we either have to take that room offline for a little bit um, or move somebody to a different room, give them a free room or give them some kind of a discount just to try to help ease the sting of something not going the way that it should have gone. Right. Yep. I get the same thing on some of my caches. People are like, it's not working. It's not doing this. The stage isn't working. So I temporarily disable it. Yep. You know, head out the next day or so and fix it, put it back online. So yeah, same thing. I mean, sometimes you just can't, it takes time to fix things. That's right. That's right. And uh, so, and if we have a, say we have a puzzle that, that becomes a, a frequent flyer in the, in the broken compartment. Um, if we find that it's, um, it breaks more often than we would, than we would like it to, then, and we often will, instead of looking at, well, it's being abused by customers, we sort of absorb the blame and say, well, we didn't build it good enough. So a lot of times we'll go back to the drawing board and redesign a better one and then, and then replace that puzzle in the room completely with just a better design. That's great. Yeah. And I'm sure that happens a lot. You know, for me, I've had to redesign stuff, you know, not, not say anything, but yeah, I mean, that all goes down to geocaching related to making these escape rooms and they have to see a lot of people and people touch and feel, you know, and force stuff. And unfortunately with geocaches, you don't have someone sitting there watching you the whole time going, Hey, what are you doing? So uh, a couple That's of mine right. have cameras on that I can actually see people, but uh, That's right. I, I, I just ask a question. Uh, what is an example of how someone solved an escape room puzzle in an unexpected way? Um, it happens every once in a while. You know, we have a lot of um, locks that might have four digits or four letters. And just by chance, people will guess into that. Um, so that's certainly unexpected. Sometimes it, it will it will take the room and put it a little bit out of order, which we 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 try to sort of pre-expect that and using hints and um, you know our room hosts are very attentive as we can steer them back to the track that we want them to take. But it happens. I mean, people solve stuff, people pull too hard on a mag lock or whatever, and it may come open when it's not supposed to. Um, but not not very often. I would say less than maybe one or 2% of the time is something solved out of order. Um, Stephanie Champion here mentioned, and she's kind of getting ahead of it. I was going to ask you what your favorite room is, but she asked, uh, do you have a favorite puzzle that is one of the current escape rooms right now? Favorite puzzle, man, that's tough. They're, they're all really, really good. Um, I, I think I like 
my favorite room is called Shipwreck Cove, and it's it's a pirate ship room. Uh, I know Bell on the Move played it, and yeah, he mentioned uh, it right several here. people played that room, but that is a really really cool room, and uh, so I can't really give an example of a favorite puzzle. I don't want to give away any secrets or, or let out any cats out of the bag, you know? Yep. No, we don't want you to either. Don't want you to get in trouble. No, no. Uh, but, uh, that's, that's cool. And I, and I did, uh, what was the high noon one? Yep. I think it was called. And that was Old one West that you Saloon. designed. Yeah, that was really cool. And I, I won't give anything away, but the ending of it was amazing. I don't even know how you did that, but I want to do that to one of my geocaches. That, that would be amazing. Quite, quite surprising, uh, one might say. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, Tricasius here at, uh, said, uh, have escape room puzzles or gadget caches influenced one or the other for you? For me personally, um, I think that, that running through and building amazing escape room puzzles certainly stir the pot to come up with neat things to do in the field in the form of a geocache. Um, that's cool. So for, for me anyway, I would, I would say that building, because I do it every day, I think that building escape rooms would influence geocache puzzle making more for sure. And I think it does. There's channels on YouTube that you can actually watch people solve puzzle boxes and mini escape rooms. And, you know, we all watch them and get ideas from them and we might tweak the idea a little bit or, or something like that. But I think it all go goes hand in hand. I mean, I've gotten, a lot of ideas from escape rooms. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, comments. Here we go. M and M from M says, yeah. "Hi, Shandrum. Uh, thanks for your help. Uh, gave me uh, thanks for the help you gave me with the gadget cache." Yeah, Is he sat next to me in the uh, the academy, so we kind of worked through that cube together a little bit. Nice. I wish I could have spent more time with you there, but it yeah, no the academy's problem. got busy. Yeah, the academy's got busy, which was, it was nice. Crazy busy, but I know a lot of people went through it. And a lot of people enjoyed that, man. You guys did a great job putting on that academy. It was fun. And, and Scrabble Hounds mentioned something earlier, um, was that they had so much fun building their gadget cache at Cash Fest, even though the soldering skills were almost non-existent. Yeah. It was tough. We had people there helping. Uh, it was tough, especially during the second session when we ran out of the good solder. And we got some not-so-good solder in uh, that did not work as well. <laughs> so, but... Uh, it, it was fun. Had a lot of fun at uh, at the place. So or at at Cash Fest building stuff and helping people. Um, also, Cash Cash Line here said personally, I love Shandrum's tree climb climbing gadgets. Oh yeah, there were a lot. Uh, of, I think he's talking about the gear we talked about earlier. Yeah, the gear. Yeah. Um. So, um, but uh, yeah, so that is really cool. Um, do you have? I know. Uh, Steph asked if you had uh, a personal puzzle. Do you have a uh, that you like? But what about a room itself at one of your guys' facilities that you built? Is there anything personally so, so like? My favorite room, as we talked about, is the pirate ship room. It's uh, it's an adventure. Um, if you ever watched the movie Goonies as a kid, it is it is that movie in an escape room, and it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. I wanted to do that one. Yes, one of one of the things we pride ourselves in is complete immersion. So we want everything from the ceiling and the floor and the sound and and when you touch things, everything should feel like 
you are there for sure. That's cool. Uh, and, and they do, the saloon was amazing. I mean, it, the floor squeaked and everything. I mean, it was like an old saloon. Sure. Um, I, I thought it was amazing. I won't talk too much about it, but yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. It was, it was fun. So, so um, I will say that, so we, we've done a bunch of escape rooms, um, as a company, as part of our research, we travel around all over and we've, we've probably done as a company collectively over 500 different escape rooms. And we, we learn more of what not to do than what to do. Um, one of the trends in the industry is a lot of haunted house companies are, are seeing the profitability and, and the excitement in the escape room industry. So they're trying to migrate over into the escape room side of things. And it is, um, it's not good in our experience because, you know, a haunted house, it's like cattle. They want to get as many people through as fast as possible. And uh, so you'll lose a lot of customer service. Some of their set designs are really nice, but customer service goes out the window because they just want you to just go through, hurry, hurry, go through. We got to get the next people in. And so it's, it, there's kind of a bad vibe in the industry where you lose customer service, something we really pride ourselves in. And I think you guys got to experience some of that at the event. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about this the other day. The nice thing about your rooms is uh, coming from a landlord, uh, property manager's perspective, you have the okay to do whatever you need to do in that room to make it cool. Yes. Versus some of the rooms you go to where it says VCT flooring and regular walls, and then there's puzzles around. They haven't done anything to. Um, That's what's really cool about yours is you're totally immersed in this whole scene, and you guys have everything you have permission to do whatever you guys need to do to make that happen. And that's really cool. Yeah. We, we wouldn't do it otherwise. um, We we've had offers to move into other locations, but the restrictions would not let us be the company that we are. I I think I told you, I said, I don't know if I'd rent to, I would lease to you (laughs) because of of some of the things, but good for you guys. Yeah. 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 Trying to read some of these chats. Uh, yeah. Ryan says he loved the story of the floorboards. I kind of think I had a conversation with him on how those floorboards came about from some old rough sawn recycled lumber. Well, that's what's floors. cool. About these old, like this. Yeah. The saloon, you can use old wood, right? Cause that's kind of what they were made out of. I mean, exactly what it is. You it's, don't want new. It's interesting. It's kind of like building a movie set. We, we wanted to build it. Um, the idea is that, is that you weren't, you weren't a modern day explorer that discovered a 400 year old saloon is you, you were there in that time period. So we have to build it old, but new, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's not, we're not, you're not discovering an old uh, broken down, you know, relic is it's, we want you to feel like you were there in that time period. So it's very likely that it could have been built, a month ago or a year ago so it's it's in good shape it's clean you know the barkeep has done a good job keeping his saloon clean um but it's done in such a way where it feels old mm-hmm. that it was cool one of my problems that i've had with escape rooms in the past is i tend to get ahead of the puzzle and a couple yeah. of times i've gotten ahead but we couldn't move on because you had to finish one task to move on and the person had to come in and say 
Oh, you're too far. Yeah, <laughs> you need to stop and go back and finish this one puzzle. Because you're right. talking about the locks, right? How you can you can get three of the code, three of the digits, and maybe get lucky on the fourth or whatever. And sure. That's sure, what sure. happens. So kind of bringing this back around to um to to geocaching. So so when we build escape rooms, we found that um, and this is just something for you guys that are out there designing your own gadget cache, right? So you want it to be really cool. You want other people to enjoy it. Um, so what we have found is that the best puzzles are the ones that that will take both tech technology and old school tactile feeling keys and locks and combining those together. You know, it's really cool if you, if you have this high tech device and there's colorful lights and you press some buttons and make some things happen. And that's really cool. But there's something about putting a key in a lock and turning it and it opens that's just very satisfying. So when you're, when you're designing a gadget cache, a good gadget cache, try to try to include both, in my opinion. I have several more. My latch, I like it because it's loud and it just flings open. And so when you get the puzzle right, this door flings open. And people say it scares them, but the, yeah. satisfa the satisfaction from actually getting that thing open is is so cool so people love that and i agree you know to touch things you know and, and move them around and do stuff with my hands is, is a lot better than not so um you know i've done a lot of virtual escape rooms as well where you're doing vr and they're cool but you don't physically touch anything right so i like being able to actually touch stuff and see stuff and try and make stuff work versus <laughs> not i mean they're both cool but i prefer a real escape room like what you guys have yep over vr any day yeah we we kind of did the vr approach during covid just out of necessity and um it was the same rooms we just had a live avatar as you know that that fifth person on a zoom call and then you just gave them verbal commands to go around in the room and and go through all of the same puzzles and uh, we had pretty good luck with that. It was it was more of, of the exposure and keeping the escape rooms at the front of people's minds rather than than making a bunch of money because we did them for really cheap. Um, so I'm looking at our Rimbacast, but he's firing off questions. Yeah, um, I was just going to go to those. Uh, I'm sure you can't answer this, but he asked so, so that I bring it up. Directly. So when we, when we consider the subject matter of an escape room, um, relevance – and popularity in, in today's culture is one of the things that we try to think about. Um, so like when we built the pirate ship room, I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean was in full swing. I think everyone loves a good pirate story. And I don't care what age you are. If someone has an opportunity to go on a pirate ship and explore, I mean, who, who would want to pass that up? No one. So um, and then we also look at the industry, you know, in the escape room industry, there, there are tons of murder mysteries. There are tons of, you know, you're locked up in a jail cell. Um, so we try to stay away from what everybody else does. And we try to create unique experiences for our customers. So it might be uh, a movie that's popular. It might be uh, a subject matter that's popular. We have a magician's room. You know, magic was really big, a really big theme for a long time. It still is with, with all the Harry Potter flow and everything. So um, we just try to follow what's popular and what's what's interesting for people. You know, if Disney's doing it, then we probably should too. So, you know, bringing up Harry Potter, a fun thing that I thought would be fun for a cash is have a wand 
and you can put an RFID chip in the in the tip of it, yep. and you'd have to touch stuff in different areas, yep. and you can have a reader behind somewhere that's in the wall right. you can't see it, and it would almost be like magic. And so that's something I've considered. You know, I just I think about these ideas, and I just don't have time to make them work. Sure. Um, but I could print up a, a wand pretty easy, or even get one out of the back of the you know backyard and then drill a hole into it. Yeah. Um, but I like ideas like that, and that's uh, I'm actually gonna have to write that down that i need to actually finish working on that i have the idea written up i haven't really worked on it but it's it's been an idea i think that'd be kind of cool Roomba cats also asks here um what are five things that make a great gadget cache five things that make a great gadget cache um i don't know you, you fire off a couple chad uh well i love experiences so to me it's going to be when you open it up the wow factor of what it looks like yeah i mean that to me just like when you walk into an escape room right wow sure. this is a saloon right and then yeah. the quality of the stuff is built out of then the puzzle uh and the puzzles all with the experience of it um to me and then the final the final part of it which is the the final piece of the puzzle that actually gets you to log the cash to me those are yeah. my favorite things i, I, I find out things that um that make that make a really good gadget cash and it also makes great puzzles in an escape room is is the unexpected if if you if you feel like the puzzle or the 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 gadget cache is taking you in a certain direction and then all of a sudden there's a little bit of misdirection and, and it requires something that maybe you weren't expecting and it's that surprise factor i think that's something to definitely consider whenever uh when making a good gadget cache that's cool yeah good good answer there Martin here is asking Martin Jones, what's the emblem on your shirt? I know what it is, but you might want to tell people. Yeah, so so uh, I'll back up a little bit. So this is our logo for Memphis Escape Rooms. Uh, our logo is an is an octagon, and then it's got some circuitry built in the middle, and then our Memphis Escape Rooms logo on the front. So uh, that's what it is. That's cool. Um, I knew what it was, but a lot of people don't. Now, yeah. are you only located in Memphis? So we have two locations in Memphis, um, and we have one location in Florence, Alabama. Those are our current current spots. That's cool. Um, and then Seabuck uh, Tribe, we were talking about caches that surprise you and everything um, yep. out here. She's actually from Pacific Northwest here in, in Washington. Awesome. And Goblin Dust is a great creator here. Um, she was, after one of his popped open when they found it, um, it still scared them, even though they were gonna. They knew it was going to happen. Yeah, the old um, Jack in the Box syndrome. Mm -hmm. I mean, you crank you crank that knob and you hear the song, and you know that clown's gonna jump out of the box, but it still scares you every time. Um, Sparky nine sixteen says, "I think it's important to use suitable bread crumb crumbs." Subtle, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, it makes the solver feel. A sense of accomplishment and give a satisfact satisfying AHA moment. Yep. So, uh, yeah, sure. I guess breadcrumbs is kind of the puzzles as you get to the end. I, I would imagine is what he's. Yeah. So instead of maybe one one big hard solve that you get to accomplish at the end, is maybe steps along the way um, in the escape room industry. We just call them, you know, like confirmation lights. If I, if I get one step right maybe a confirmation light comes on. There's a little breadcrumb. So I know I'm headed in the right direction. And then I do something else right. And then another green light comes on. So, and then, so I know maybe on the third try, 
ooh, a red light comes on and it all starts over. So I do think that that's very important to, to kind of pull the, the, the solver along in the right direction or let them know that um, <laughs> that they did something wrong. Reading these yeah. Bell in the move said it's great to see progress. Yeah, it is. It it's is. very good. Unless it's leading you to a red herring. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's still progress because you'll eventually find out it's red herring and find something else. But yes, um, I try not to do too many red herrings because I find that that ends up creating uh, people just breaking into the cache. Same. Um, Same in our industries. We try to put things with a purpose. Um, if if we have things in the room that, that could be construed as a puzzle, people will either try to solve it and break something if it's not supposed to be solved or they'll get through with the room and feel like maybe one of the puzzles wasn't working because, you know, Hey, there were, there were some numbers over here and we didn't, we never did anything with those. So that must mean that it's a, a broken puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I mean, yeah, if you get done with it and you think it's not working, then yeah, it was a broken, broken room, broken puzzle. Yeah. So Rumba cats made a comment about, helping the patron feel like they're making progress. It's uh, yeah. one, of, one of the things that we do. So anytime someone is doing a room, they, they have a person assigned to them. We call it a room host. And they, they do just that is they, they guide our patrons, our customers through the experience, knowing, you know, we have a roadmap that shows the time frame and what puzzles you should solve and where you should be in a time frame. I mean, our goal is that, people escape. We want people to get out. We're not trying to design puzzles where people, uh, you know, get stuck or they, they're so difficult that people can't solve it. So, and we never just give them the answer. We just, we just kind of nudge them along so that they feel like they're accomplishing it on their own. Yeah. And one of the hardest parts for me on, I want people to have a good time and create a great experience. Absolutely. How long is too long for that experience to last? Right. And what is, too short and that's one of the tough things too short typically isn't an issue but i find hopefully about five minutes for the puzzle on a geocache yep. is about where we want to be five to ten minutes but i like to try and keep around five now you always get some people that take an hour and a half absolutely uh, and i have i have video of some people actually recently a guy who tried to do it spent a half hour on it shut it up got in his car sat there for a couple minutes got out reopened it back up tried it again still couldn't do it got back in his car and got out, did it again, and finally finished it. Sure. And uh, but yeah, that was over an hour of him wow. doing that. Um, but they just they got to find it right, and they start thinking about it, and like, well, maybe I'm doing this wrong or this right, um, you know. And for me, I put my phone number on there just in case they have an issue, right? Because I want you Absolutely. to find it. I want you to have a good experience. I don't want you to be frustrated and walk away. That's right. So, um, you know, he didn't call me but I do get a lot of calls and then I just give them a nudge. I have several little nudges yep. uh, to help them out and usually one nudge and, and they have it. So yep. it just takes a um, little kickstart. Yes. And then that way I'm not telling them how to complete it and I, they still have a good experience. Yeah. So Roomba cats is asking is, um, is there a great escape room mechanism? Maybe not mine, but that could use magnets. Uh, I think there's a ton, ton of things that could use magnets. Um, and using, uh, you know, in a, in a gadget cache or in an escape room puzzle, uh, you can use magnets to move things. So maybe there's a metal a metal object inside of the box that you can't see, and you use a, a magnetic part to move it to a different part of the box. 
Maybe it's a, a physical lock mechanism that you need a magnet to, again, move the lock mechanism inside the box. Um, or if it's an electronic puzzle, you can use uh, magnetic switches like a reed switch or something of that nature to where the application of the magnet just completes a circuit. Maybe it's to turn a light on or activate a lock um, or something of that nature. Maybe it's to activate a little flashing light that gives a code. So there's a lot of things you can do with magnets for sure. Oh, yeah. Magnets. Uh, Bill on the move here mentioned that red herrings, back to the red herring subject, leads yeah. to bolt cutters. <laughs> uh, it could. I think he did bolt cutters on one of his own caches yeah. <laughs> himself. But uh, uh, in Seabeck Tribe, you know, we're talking about, you know, she's in my area. Um, she yeah. was at a cache for 15 minutes, getting frustrated. Oh, um, yeah. I believe she called me. Um, but at the same time, I was in the, it's a, it's a shopping center. Yep. And I saw them. I have three caches on that. And I actually saw her drive to one of the other ones. And so I actually end up meeting them at the next one. Sure. So. But I also think there's something to be said about, about testing. You know, if you're, if you're going to create a gadget cache, um, do a lot of beta testing, let, let several people play it. Um, Cause you don't want it to be too difficult. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to build up expectations on this really cool gadget cache. And then, someone shows up and then it's, it's just a breeze to solve. It kind of, it kind of, you know, lets the air out of the balloon, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I think that beta testing, not only for, for strength and durability of your cash, but for playability as well, super important. Um, yeah. Uh, Sparky916 here mentioned that five to 10 minutes he think is plenty yeah. for uh, solving a cash. So, uh, I agree. I like to beta test mine. I have cashers locally here that I take mine to events. I can take mine down to HQ and have people there test them. Um, but uh, the uh, uh, sorry, I was going with that somewhere with that, and then I started reading. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. So definitely have them have them uh, beta tested. You know, there's always something that you're not going to think about, and you need to change. Sure. So. Absolutely nothing. Um, boy, I wish I could remember what I was talking about. I thought it was important, but I don't, really I don't not. Yeah, <laughs> you know, go, going back, going back to the magnet question. You know, if you if you get into rare earth magnets and neodymium magnets, really powerful magnets, um, you you can do some really fun stuff with a magnetic field. You know, you can have four so, four magnets in in the in the corner of a box that are strategically placed to where an object in the middle of that, maybe with an opposing pole will hover. And, um, you know, that could be a hint to one of our rooms, but the, if you, if you use opposing magnets strategically, you can make things hover. Um, that's cool. Now, so I built a, um, a lamppost cache LPC. Yep. Uh, that uses a magnet system. Yep. Um, I have a special tool there to use now because it's magnetic. People think they can use their own magnet, but it's actually reversed. So you actually have to use the tool itself. A regular yep. magnet won't work. Cool. So uh, I had a lot of people mention that they, they were out their own and they're like, I don't know how you did it, but it doesn't work with any other magnet, but yours. Yep. So that's just, yeah. So anyways, thinking about that Roomba cat says, uh, uh, do you have a favorite item that seem that you've seen like a hinge knob lock that isn't used in the traditional way? 
So, so Roomba cats, most, most of our things in, in our rooms is, is we take things and use them in ways they're not supposed to be used in all the time. So for example, we have, we have mag locks, which were originally designed as for security doors. You know, it holds the door closed until you want to beep somebody in or somebody swipes a RFID card to let them in. Um, and then that will open stuff. Sometimes, sometimes we want it to release things or open things. And sometimes we want things that are easily open to now be secured. So we'll use a, we'll use a magnetic lock, a mag lock in ways that they're not supposed to be used in. We have, um, we have another room where, um, we use the components from a low voltage, um, like a touchless charger for your cell phone or surface charger where if, if you, if you put your phone near a surface charger, somehow through midair voltage travels. And so if you take technology like that, um, it just, it really gets the, the mind waves going on what you can do with wireless voltage. So I had an idea. I have it down here. I haven't finished it. I have a Tesla rack. Yep. And I thought about using different colored light bulbs. You have to get so close to it and it would, it, that light bulb would light up and then that would be the code. But wow. talking about wireless stuff like that, I mean, ideas like that is, is really cool. And I saw that, I don't remember where I saw like Bill Nye or something. They were doing sure. that. And I thought that would be really cool for a geocache. Absolutely. So I, let's say, let's say you have, um, so some led lights, some pretty low voltage led lights that are in a puzzle piece and then Im embedded in a separate part of a puzzle or a box or something, you have this wireless charging mechanism. So if, if you get, if you get the right, and, and that's also coupled with maybe an RFID reader and chip. So when, when the right puzzle piece gets placed near the right socket per se, then the, the puzzle piece lights up. It's not just a light within the cabinet, but your puzzle piece could actually light up and start to glow because it's receiving voltage from that wireless charger. Um, yeah. So that's a, that's a fun, fun twist. You just right there. put an idea in my head. I'm going to have to write that down for something <laughs> to mess with. Um, yeah, you know, when we were talking about magnets too, um, how powerful they are also matters because you don't want something that's so powerful that it just has to get close to set it off, to set that's off right. whatever your read switch, right? That's right. So you want something that's pro is powerful enough that when it touches the right spot, it sets it off, but not so powerful that when it's within six inches or four inches, it sets it off. So that's something to think about too. Absolutely. Sorry, I'm writing something down here. Okay. That's okay. Uh, it's good ideas. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Ryan uh, mentioned Audi was trying to do something with the Tesla charger and Colby, but couldn't think of a way. Oh, that's too bad. I could have, I could have, I would have sent him the Tesla charger probably or the Tesla rack thing. It's just a tiny little thing I got from some Chinese catalog that actually is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, chronically tired, tired mom. Um, I'm not sure what she's trying to say here, but I would totally get into magnet fishing. You never know what murder weapon to. Yeah. So mag magnet fishing is a trend that I've, I've seen it on YouTube where you take a really powerful rare earth magnet or a neodymium magnet. Uh, like big ones, they're they're huge. Mm -hmm. They probably have three, four, five hundred pound uh, capacities, and they tie them on an end of a rope, and they and they basically dredge a pond or a 
uh, off of a bridge or whatever. And, um, and then people find all kinds of weird things underwater with, with magnets. That's magnet fishing. Yeah. There is a YouTube guy I've watched do that. So that's, I wasn't sure what she was meaning by that, but now that you mentioned it, okay, I get it. Yep. Um, so, uh, cool. And she also mentioned here that, uh, what dump murder weapon you might pull up. Yeah. 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 I don't know if I want to be touching that. <laughs> yep. But, uh, but, uh, I don't know if you had a big enough, a big enough box that could hold murky water, it, uh, that might be kind of a cool, a cool puzzle where some of the pieces might be bolted down or unmovable inside, but maybe if you magnet fish inside of a little container, you could pull out certain pieces. That'd be cool. Do you do any, have you had any puzzle where you use syringes? Um, we try to stay away from needles. Not just well, kidding. you can do it without the needle. Right. So no, we've not used You're talking about maybe like in a hydraulic fashion. No, just in general. So I have thousands of syringes, like 10 milliliter syringes. Yep. And I had an idea for, uh, for one. And then it kind of, I think someone would get tired and just kind of wreck it. So I've kind of not done anything with them, but since I have a whole bunch, I thought I could pick your brain for an idea for a, sure. a geocache using a bunch of syringes. So originally it was going to be a box. You got to reach your hands into, and you got to find the syringe with a log in it or something. Okay. Um, but almost like a, a not scream, but uh, what's that other one with the clown face guy? Forget his name. Anyways, uh, type of cash, but um, yeah. So I decided not to go with that idea. So just trying to pick your brain. Yeah. See, Roomba cats is asking about, uh, Escape rooms doing well with uh, simultaneous puzzles to occupy multiple people. Um, so we, 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 we have rooms that it's possible where, where multiple puzzles can be solved at the same time. If you have a larger group in there. Um, but generally speaking, the, the escape rooms that, that we try to, to produce, um, we want to encourage teamwork. So, um, we, we would rather not have a bunch of puzzles being solved at the same time. Then you, you create, you know, if I go in there, if Chad and I go in a room and, and Chad solves this really cool puzzle and he just says, Hey, I got this code, but I didn't, I didn't get to experience that. So it, it kind of leaves me left out a little bit. Um, it happens, but we don't like it to happen. So it kind of goes back to creating a fun experience for everybody. I mean, you, right. you want to make sure they all experience that that puzzle or that portion of that escape room. That's right. And just like some of your gadget caches, I think you have multiple players, you know, where it takes multiple people to solve it. As we try to incorporate puzzles in our room as well, that that take um, you can't do it by yourself, that it takes multiple people. We have some contact puzzles. Um, here's another idea. If you have a if you have a building that you can attach your cache to is to use human bodies to transfer a current to where you have contact points that are maybe 20 feet apart. And you've got to join hands to touch two different. Yeah, things. I have a couple of them built. Yep. Right here, actually. Um, so these are them here. Uh, and then you have your relay and then your, your two touch sensors. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, so, uh, yes. Um, one of the issues here in Seattle with it being wet is it wouldn't, we would have issues with the, the touch sensor working all the time. Sure. Uh, I'm not sure why. Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, I have seen it 
um we've kind of created it into a cache but it ended up not working very well so yeah yeah um but i love that idea um just got to figure out that part i had issues with i'm obviously i'm sure i could go to some kind of engineer probably dave and talk to him and he could probably figure out a way to make it work all the time so sure but i love those so i love one of my favorite caches to do uh, are teamwork caches so it requires more than one person to find the cache sure because I think that makes the experience even better. So one of mine requires three to six people to find, but there's rarely times where you have that many people, but there's a really busy walking trail right next to the cache. So it's encouraged to ask people. So they do, they bring in bystanders to help them. And people are like, Oh, what is this? I've never heard of this before. And then they get to explain geocaching to them. That's awesome. But uh, that's one of my favorite ones. Uh, that I've I've found out there. It's called it takes it takes three. Is uh, Ryan said that? I don't know if he was talking about mine, but my cache is it takes three is the name of it. Yeah. Uh, is that right? Yeah. So, uh, but uh, and Ryan also mentioned Dave can say solve anything, could fix anything. Uh, uh, he's probably right. I probably should send that over. But uh, yeah. Anyways, now that you brought it up to me again, I probably should. That'd be fun. We have some kind of big event happening here in Seattle next month, so I could probably get it put out. There you go. Um, Great. Well, um, we're right about at the end of our time. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Man, I don't think so. It's been great. It's been a good show, some good questions, and uh, we covered a lot of really cool topics. Like I said, I, I would love to host anyone that wants to make the journey and come visit Eleanor my cash. And, um, I would, I would also, uh, love any questions about escape rooms or whatever. I see Roomba cats is asking about, uh, dual dueling rooms. Uh, we have not done that, but there's another escape room company that, that did build a room to where there are two mirrored rooms. They're exactly the same. And your team splits up into two teams and it's a race to solve. In fact, their, their room design is, is it's kind of a different things you solve take points away from the other team and then different things you solve put points into your bank. So it's a constant mm-hmm. battle of, of stealing and there's some uh, strategic uh, methods in there. And um, I played it with a group and I didn't like it, uh, but there are some rooms out there that definitely um, have that, that part to the room, you know, dueling, dueling teams. That's cool. Yeah, I had a uh, four. Who's, who's this Sparky nine one six? Apparently, I I rock and thank you. Yeah, you do <laughs> rock. Um, no, I appreciate you coming on. I actually uh, would like to have you back and maybe talk about making a uh, a puzzle box together where it has multiple sides with different puzzles to finish. Um, for sure, I definitely would love to to have you on, and we can build that. One quick question. What's your favorite tool you use to build your escape rooms? Man, again, we're, we're kind of old school. Um, I think the most versatile tool that we use is a big, a big table saw. We've got a cabinet table saw. It's got an air table um, where we can move large, large sheet goods around really easily. And um, it's an amazing saw. It has a, I think a 72 inch capacity on the width. And then we have an eight by eight feed table out of it and uh, with a removable section so that we can walk around the eight by eight as a work table 
and get between the saw and the table. And uh, it's kind of the central piece in our shop. And it we've done some really amazing things with that setup. Um, we can cut, you know, wood and plexiglass. We can cut steel if we have the right blade on. Um, and then we can do very, very intricate work. I've got a couple of sleds that go into the table saw to, to do very intricate work and, and cut all kinds of little cool details. So by far, I think the table saw is the most versatile, versatile no, tool. Having something like a cabinet saw or something that has a table that helps you with the, that definitely is, is nice. Yeah. I'd love to have one. <laughs> For sure. Maybe someday. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Eminem from M says that vertical madness is his favorite cache. And I think it should be. It's good. It's a good um, one. I think it's better than any caches I have just because of the experience you get. That um, it is, even if you don't exactly. find it, yeah, the experience to even try to get to it is amazing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, it has to be because ultimately it's just, as I said in the very beginning of the show, it's just an ammo can in a tree. That's all it is. Yeah. But you got to get um, Pizza Ninja says, thanks for the great show. Chad and Shannon are a dream team that would build a great gadget cache and escape room. Yep. Oh, I'd love to. I just won't lease a room to you. <laughs> uh, we'll have to we'll have to figure something out. Maybe you guys will have to open up a escape room in Seattle. I, I um, think I think here's an idea, Chad. Is I think we should do a series of gadget caches and maybe and may, maybe like a multi cache. And each stage is a is a gadget, and and maybe kind of theme it. They would all be in the same theme, so it works kind of like an escape room. As you you have to solve one to get to the next. And uh, each each piece, each each solve gives you information to the next gadget. And so there what you can never solve one gadget without solving the one before it. And uh, that'd be cool. An escape room series. That'd be cool. I have one around a hatchery that has five different and it just actually went live again last week. It was uh, due to COVID. The hatchery was shut down. And, and that's actually electronic one that it sat there for, what, two and a half years without being used. I couldn't get in to check it. And so it has uh, Arduinos and all kinds of stuff in it. And I thought it would be bad. I opened it up, changed the batteries. It started right up. That's but awesome. uh, anyways, there's five different locations with different things that you have to solve to get to the final. Um, but yeah, and you have to do it from stage one all the way through in the correct order. That's cool. So yeah. I, want, I want to respond real quick to Sean Schulte, I think. He says, well, tree spikes work. Um, so I would I would never allow anyone to climb... Eleanor or any good tree with spikes. If you're, if you're not going to remove a tree, then, then don't poke a bunch of holes in it. It doesn't promote good arboriculture tree health. So I would, I would be very upset if someone tried to get that cash using tree spikes. Won't be me. Yeah. Um, there's no reason why I don't think anybody can just call you and set up a time to That's right. That's right. find it. But, uh, Roomba Cats uh, mentioned that escape room is his retirement plan. There we oh, go. Maybe I'll retire with him. There we go. Um, and Cast Castle Lions did immersive video to come soon. Uh, I'm thinking he's talking about Eleanor. Um, yes, so he, did, he did a lot of uh, he, he captured a lot of footage when he did when he did that cache, and I I am very excitedly anticipating that cache the line show when he covers that experience. It'll be really cool. So Roomba Cats, Eleanor is the name of the tree. Um, yes. but, uh, yeah. So if you don't follow cash align, uh, I'm not sure what the channel is, but, uh, and you want to see this amazing four and a half, five cash, um, make sure you follow his channel. Um, and, uh, you'll be able to see a video of it. 
Yep. You can do a YouTube search, Cash the Line, I believe. Yeah, there you go. I was actually kind of waiting for him to pop it in the comments, but he's a, he's a host, so I'm sure you can find it somewhere on the network. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we should probably wrap it up. We're right about an hour here. Yep. Um, but I, I definitely won't be the last time we have you on. I have ideas. I'll have to talk to you off the air and maybe come up with some stuff, have you on, do some more builds. That will be fun. Yeah, it was super fun. Uh, anytime, man. I'd be glad to do it again. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, thanks for all your time at Cash Fest, helping people up Eleanor. Yep. Um, and uh, really appreciate it. So um, we'll have you back on soon. Sounds good, man. All right. Great. Good night, everybody. Oops. Sorry. I got to do the closing. Hey.